Life Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Limit Feeding Stalkers a High Energy Diet. To have a conversation about this, I'm joined today by Aaron Labry, who's a Nebraska Extension educator based in Furnace County. Thanks for joining me today. Certainly. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Aaron, you wrote an article for the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Limit Feeding Stalkers a High Energy Diet. And this is, I think, kind of non-traditional for many of us as we think about getting calves after weaning, backgrounding those calves, either for a summer grazing program or just warming them up to go on feed. Uh, This article is based on some data out of Kansas State by Dale Blasey and his group. Uh, Just share with us more about the data and, and more about the article that you wrote. Certainly. So, you're right, Aaron, but when we look at current uh, hay prices and compare that to that of uh, corn or wet distillers grains, for example, um, it, it really does favor uh, feeding a, a high-energy limit-fed diet. Um, just for to put some numbers to it, um, if, if you got some hay priced at $200 a ton, the, an energy value or total digestible nutrients or TDN value of 52%, um, when we look on that on a price per pound of energy basis, it comes out to about 22 cents per pound of TDN. And and when we compare that to corn that's 480 a bushel and 88% TDN, it's around 11 cents per pound of TDN. So, I mean, we're talking half the cost there. And the same can be said for wet distillers grains that's priced at 75 bucks a ton and 108% TDN. It also is around that 11 cents per pound of TDN. So definitely favors that high energy diet and and certainly an option for growing calves this fall and winter. Um, Now, these prices don't reflect trucking or feeding expenses, but um, um, certainly gives you an idea of the relationship in terms of cost of that forage versus grain and co-products. As you mentioned, though, Aaron, there's been a lot of research done at Kansas State University looking at feeding calves a high-energy diet. They've compared feeding that diet around 2.2% of body weight and and compared that to full feeding a high-roughage diet for a 90-day backgrounding period. And and those calves that were fed that full-fed diet ate around 2.8% of body weight, Um, but both diets included 40% wet corn gluten feed on a dry matter basis and then varying amounts of corn, alfalfa, uh, prairie hay, and then a supplement that included menensin. But those stockers that were limit-fed that high-energy diet, they were more efficient, and they gained around two and a half pounds a day, uh, whereas those on the full-fed high-roughage diet gained around 2.9 pounds a day. They carried those calves all the way through the finishing phase, and backgrounding system had little to no effect on finishing performance or carcass characteristics. Yeah, I think some of the data that's out of Kansas State has challenged my thinking a bit because we often think when we get these calves, we need to transition them, have them on a high roughage diet for a while. And that is part of it initially. So just talk through some of the logistics, I think, here about receiving calves and then adjusting them to a high energy protein dense diet that is limit fed. So it it is going to depend on on the background of those calves. I mean, if they've been preconditioned, but uh, typically, when we get those calves in, um, it's it's good to have some long stem hay in the bunks before they arrive, because that's definitely a familiar feed stuff to them. But then that next day, you, you can really start them out on the first day's uh, feed delivery of that limit-fed diet. 
around an intake of 0.75% of body weight on a dry matter basis. And then depending how they, well, they clean that up, you want to progressively work them up to around that 2.2% of body weight within about 14 days. Uh, again, that's going to depend on the risk level and background of those calves, but that's a general timeline. So one of the things I think that was very interesting to me with this data is just also thinking about, you know, health of these calves. What does that do? Bunk space, uh, the cost of delivering the ration. We're, we're delivering a more energy, more protein dense ration, which is going to take less space in a wagon or a feed truck, but also we're just delivering total less pounds of feed. And you know, that has an impact also on what's coming out the back end of those cattle in terms of manure. So some additional benefits as well. Certainly. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of benefits to it. Like you said, Aaron, I mean, when it comes down to it, we're just feeding less of a, a bulky forage. And so, I mean, that's certainly going to save on the number of feed deliveries. I mean, you may not have to feed twice a day since usually uh, bunk space is a limiting factor with a high forage diet. So you can likely feed just once a day. So that's going to save on fuel and wear and tear on equipment. And yes, certainly less manure. Research from Kansas State has shown a 40 to 45% reduction in manure output. So, I mean, that that benefit alone is huge. Aaron, what else would you highlight on this research and how you think it might have application in Nebraska, especially in light of current feed prices? So just some other considerations. Since this is a limit-fed diet, it is important to feed at a consistent time each day, and that's just going to help prevent any digestive upsets with those calves, um, and they are they're creatures of habit just like us, and so that can really help from a performance standpoint to feed them consistently each day. And then, like we talked about, providing adequate bunk space is important, too. That's just going to help maintain those target intakes, and so really in a, a situation like this where we're limit feeding stockers, about 15 inches of bunk space per head would be sufficient. Well, Aaron, thanks for writing this article. I think, again, for folks who are interested, they can find it in the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. But especially, again, in light of current commodity prices, this, in my mind, really could have some application for us as we move into the backgrounding season this fall and winter. Certainly. And I just uh, emphasize if, if producers need any assistance on, on calculating or evaluating feed options, um, our, our beef team is certainly available to help. And we do have our feed cost calculator tool as well. So you can find all that on our beef.unl.edu website and don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, as Aaron mentioned, there is more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, and that can be found at the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find links to the article that we talked about today, as well as the Kansas State University data. And then also, as Aaron mentioned, the feed cost calculator, which is an Excel-based spreadsheet tool, that's available for download at the website.